Hi everyone, um, it's the Arsaholics. It's a Sunday night. You haven't got Mice today, only the A team. Um, <laughs> but he's advised us we shouldn't we shouldn't make fun of him too much because he's editing, right? So he can he's editing do all kinds of like editing kind of malarkey on us to make us look bad. So let's just call it there and move on. Um, let, we are reflecting on another win, two wins on the bounce this time away at Burnley, one nil. Um, Aaron and Let's go straight into it. I mean, how do you feel out of <laughs> after two games, two games, two wins? Um, you know, and obviously the season only started, right? Like before the Norwich game, we forget everything that happened before that. So how, how do you feel now? <laughs> well, you're really going into this. You're not even like bothering with small talk or anything. <laughs> no, let's just, let's just be happy. Let's just bask <laughs> okay. in the glory. We haven't conceded a goal. We have a great goal. Yeah. Let's. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was good. It was good. I um I watched I watched the game through um alternative means. I think that's probably all I can say in public. But complete, <laughs> completely legal. Yeah, yeah. Let's you know Come, just yeah, everyone. Sure. Yeah. Don't break the law. Um, no one. And um I overall look I'm I'm glad we won. And I think Myers Myers said this before Norwich which was ultimately it is about getting the results and we are look, the minimum was go there and win especially with the whole week of preparation that we had, not having any midweek football, we had to win. And we did that. And I would have, I did feel, you know, the goal was great. I did feel, however, that, you know, although we, you know, we looked good. The players and the personnel themselves didn't look that great, but that was more of a quality issue with the players themselves rather than me feeling like, okay, this system is killing our talent, which is how I've usually felt um, at times previously with the football being quite rigid. I felt actually if our players were on, on form or even, you know, if we had better players, then we would have comfortably won that game three or four nil. Yeah. Let's we're touching on two of the things you said there, which I think is important. So we, we discussed how we've got to take advantage of the fact that we don't have Europe and that means extra time to prep. Right. And if we link that to the system, this new four, three, three that Arteta has apparently always wanted to play. We saw it for the second, I was going to say, basically final third of the Norwich game, moving into this four, three, three with Partey in the kind of holding role with Mm. Odegaard and and ESR. And, and we wondered, we, we talked about it, right? we talked about, oh, like, would we like to see this 4-3-3 going forward? Would we like to see this kind of lineup going forward? And, well, you know, he went and did it. He literally started the game away to Burnley with, on paper, an array of attacking talent. You know, it's that 4-3-3 that, that we discussed. So, so clearly he's using that time, perhaps, to embed this system. Um, and I guess if we touch on that, so you, you feel the system didn't quite click. No, I felt I felt like the system itself was good. And I don't think, like, the alternative there would have been to play, you know, for example, Lukonga or Maitland-Niles alongside Partey and maybe not play Pepe or not play Saka or Smith-Rowe, like, drop one of those to the bench. So, no, I don't think that would have been the correct move. I think the system was good. I just felt, actually, that on this occasion, it was the players themselves who just weren't, up to it that front three and mm. um, Pepe I thought was quite good and quite lively but Abamyang, Saka and actually Smith Rowe as well they just 
didn't have very good games. And I think if they were like on form or, you know, even if we could have brought someone else off the bench to, you know, freshen it up, for example, that system itself would have actually yielded a comfortable win. So, you know, maybe, maybe I'm saying this after a win because you can probably take a more optimistic slant on it. But actually, yeah, I was actually quite, I was quite pleased with the system. It, it's it's early days, but it looks like we are building towards something, which is what I want to see. So no, no complaints about the system whatsoever. Uh, no, I, and I agree with you because I I watched the full game back um, on Sky afterwards later and. They did look, I think, in the first half, I certainly got an idea. I certainly felt that the players were comfortable with this system and I felt that there was freedom and I saw some really nice play, some really nice interchange. And particularly, there was like a really good opportunity, right, where the ball got pinged across to Tierney. Tierney kind of hit it through and Pepe, I think, nearly scores in that. And that was a really great yeah. kind of exchange of angles and, and it looked very fluid and it was it was very exciting. But do you... Because I think my concern here a little bit is, okay, fine, like... It was a great free kick from Odegaard. We can talk about that free kick in a second. And outside of that free kick, we didn't have anything that resembled, in my view, like a, an amazing chance, like a, a golden yeah, opportunity. Yeah. And, and, and and that's fair, right? That's probably yeah. the glass half full way of looking at it. If we hadn't won, yeah, you, know, you could easily say that. But I think there were a good few opportunities where had the pass been better our players would have been through on goal or, you know, even that, even the free kick, for example, where I think it was Saka that got fouled. He was, you know, I think we had a two on one with the the last man or the last man. They were, yeah. We were pretty much in on goal and then the guy tripped him up and, you know, we, we probably would have created a decent chance there. So, um, no, I do think, you know, once, you know, Saka did look a bit tired, for example, um, Smith Rowe just had a really bad game. Aubameyang was, pretty anonymous on another day one of those two or three turns up and does something plays a pass and we probably at least create one or two better chances you know i think yeah but you're right you know we are still waiting for that game where we really turn up and we still haven't turned up yet Mm. but i was far i was very encouraged by what i saw yesterday versus say for example um, the first three games of the season where we didn't really look like we were going to score at any point in time. Here, we looked like if we had carried on playing, we would have eventually scored two or three goals. Yeah. And the goal that did happen, I mean, it was a real moment of quality, so wasn't it? It, yeah. was, it, was, it was excellent. But but like you say, I, I guess in fairness, actually, the move which won the free kick in the first place was, you know, was, was a really good move. We could have probably made something very useful out of that anyway. But, you know, it is what it is. We got a free kick, yellow card given. It was, you know, a cynical foul. Um, And it kind of looked like, if you heard Odegaard after the game, he said words to the effect of, you know, I think Partey wanted to take it. I don't know what planet we think Partey taking the free (laughs) kicks are going to. I don't know why he's in the conversation. I wonder how that conversation went. Exactly. And I makes you wonder, like, do they... I mean, I, I, in my mind, they should all know who's taking the free kicks beforehand, right? Like, why is it even a debate? I don't know. Like, what... They're both right-footed, right? No, well, got left-footed, right? So, got left-footed, okay. So left-footed, yeah. right? Yeah, of course, he hit it with left, yeah. Um, I guess it was one of those where maybe it was quite central, so both the left-footer and the right-footer might have felt they had a chance. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm 
we keep our day well away away from those free kicks if um, <laughs> his shooting's anything to go by. It's a, it, I mean, it, actually, like just just before we get onto the the the, the free kick in itself, like if we are taking, so it feels like if the, if it is slightly towards the right hand side, suitable for a left footer, like Xhaka in the past has been kind of yeah. the one to take it, and yeah. he's got you know he probably scores one a season, doesn't he? Like, and um, I guess you got Pepe as well, um, but you know Odegaard. He scored an absolute belter in the Europa League. It wasn't a free kick, but, you know, a belter from, I think, about 30 yeah. yards in the Europa League. And this was so good as well, wasn't it? Technically superb. It was, yeah. I mean, I, maybe if you've been really harsh, you felt that their wall could have done a, a little bit better. But, you know, the keeper had no chance. Um, and you could watch it over and over again. And it's one of those that you can just, you know, it's an absolute peach of a free kick. Yeah, absolutely. And he said, he said, right, he, he said, like, he had a feeling, he, 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 he kind of, you know, pushed Partey out of the way because he had a feeling that it was... Even, know, if he does, even if he doesn't have a feeling, he should still push Partey yeah. out of the way. It is, <laughs> it is true. And look, I wonder if that's him on free kick duty from that that, that side going forward. Um, but, you know, and Odegaard, Odegaard more generally, like, did you... Because when I was watching it back, when I was watching the game back, it did look like, as a result of the system, um, there's a lot more work that he is doing uh, you know, defensively. But a lot of people have told me who have watched Odegaard in the past, even prior to Arsenal playing for you know, Sociedad, etc., that actually he is someone who, even as a number 10, is actually a really, really hardworking player, does a lot of defensive yeah. work. I guess my question is, do you, do you get a sense that, you know, last season we were talking about how we we're crying out for this number 10. We've got a number 10. And now we've got that player who's actually also now playing in a more of a box to box where he's not really just allowed to do his special number 10 stuff. Is that, do, do you think we're at risk of, I guess, nullifying some or, or not nullifying, but just kind of, I guess, mitigating downward slightly some of his, um, his creative mm, qualities? No, not really. I mean, it, it's quite funny. We, I'm sure we've talked about it on, on the podcast before about who this partner for Thomas Partey is going to be, <laughs> yeah. I don't think any of us had actually thought actually Erdogan would be that guy, yeah. Because we we assumed he'd be a ten, but um, I think my my concern may, might be that you know I wonder if the system of that having the the three with Erdogan, Partey, and Smithrow, and then that front three, I wonder if all you know five of those attacking players plus Partey can play together, and that's something that we will need to work on because, you know, whilst we did sort of create a few half chances here and there, it didn't look like it clicked mm. and there didn't seem to be any real chemistry between any of these players on the pitch going forward. You know, it very much looked like Saka was doing his own thing. Smith Rowe was doing his own thing. There were no real, there wasn't any real good combination play between any of the front three or four players. And that, that is what I worry about. But in terms of Erdogan, I think he's smart enough and, you know, I think, in in football and with positional play now, you know these the positions and the starting formation is so irrelevant in in the modern game that it it varies so much between game to game. You know who else is on the pitch that you know ultimately we want someone there who can progress the ball forward, who can find a final pass, but is also prepared to run around and press when needed. And you know whether that that person is playing in an eight or as a 10 you need quality and mm. we're lucky enough now to have at least for the first 11 just about enough quality i'd probably like a bit more depth there because 
my concern is what if someone gets injured how does this whole system continue to work because i don't think it does but no with Erdegaard, i'm definitely not worried about that that's a really good point i thought the same thing around this very specific system this way of playing you're right if it's almost if one of those components goes you could argue that you know if Partey's taken out of the equation maybe you've got look yeah. um you know if saka goes out of the equation maybe you've got um gabriel martinelli uh, but you know otherwise you're right it's kind of contingent on us keeping this little kind of unit of players that we put on the pitch fit but you know, yeah. previously you talked about partnerships and 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 combinations like so let's talk about defense because you know actually that's something that you know we probably can shout home about a little bit you know we've got ramsdale hasn't conceded a goal for arsenal he's played three games you've got the ben white gabriel partnership that's played twice now he hasn't conceded a goal tommy yasu's played twice he hasn't conceded a goal this Mm -hmm. this back five this really interesting future state back five which now seems like the present state back five yeah it feels like they're really fighting for one another and it feels like they've got a good set of 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 personality traits but also supplementary complement complementary skill sets and and qualities yeah that is building yeah. it's developing isn't it something interesting yeah, i something. guess the the obvious caveat and i think me and you both acknowledge it is the quality of the opposition hasn't been amazing right mm. so it's hot you know the Norwich, Burnley, and West Brom <laughs> reserves attack probably isn't the most testing where you can analyze if they're, you know, a good defense. But certainly, you know, what I'm what I'm kind of glad is that is that we have a plan of what our first choice back four is and um, back five. Because how long has it been since we have known that this is our first choice centre back pairing? This is our first choice right back. This is our first choice left back. And this is our number one goalkeeper. Like goalkeeper have always had number one, fine. But I don't think since Mertesacker and Koscielny have we known, right, these are our two best centre-backs and we're going to play them every game. And I really hope, you know, there's going to be a day when Ben White makes a mistake. He's made a couple already. There's going to be a day where Gabriel looks a bit ropey. But Arteta just needs to stick with this now. And... Because B, A, the alternatives are considerably worse, but, you know, they need to figure out how to play with each other. And we absolutely have to make this four plus goalkeeper work. Um, So I'm glad that he went, he just threw them all in against Norwich because he probably had one eye on this game thinking I need these defenders to defend well and it's going to be a tough game at Turf Moor. So let's give them the 90 minutes at Norwich, 60 minutes at Norwich. So they get used to playing with each other. Um, so yeah, it it looked good. It looked good. I thought Ramsdale looked good. I thought Gabriel was for me was my the man of the match. I know I think Ramsdale got it, but I, I thought Gabriel was phenomenal. Um, Tommy Asu looked really good. Ben White, you know, maybe a bit disappointing in terms of you know he did make a mistake which could have cost us with the penalty. Um, and actually, his pass he was in the air. I thought he was okay. I mean, is his passing and his his ball play, which he's supposed to be really good at, which I thought was a bit disappointing. Um, and then Tierney, you know, he was, you know, relatively solid. I think, you know, this whole tactic of giving him the ball in an attacking position, his, um, his crossing yeah, pretty much all season has been very poor so far. But, you know, if that is the biggest problem we have, then, you know, compared to some of the problems we've had with defenders before, this is, I'll take this all every day. Yeah, and you feel that with Tierney in particular, he's got that kind of character, that kind of determination where you feel like he 
he will be very introspective and he will yeah. get it right. I think, exactly. I think, for example, everyone nowadays is expecting a left-back and a right-back to be, you know, Robertson or Trent Alexander-Arnold, right? Yeah. Um, that's just simply, those two are phenomenal and they are like the outliers. Um, Tierney is still a very, very, very good left-back. Mm. Um, so let's, you know, as long as he's getting in those positions, he will eventually find the man in the box, providing we put men in the box. So I think he should keep doing that. I'm not worried about that. But no, stability is really important. And I really, really hope this back four can just A, stay fit, and then B, um, figure out a good, healthy balance to form a really solid base at this team. Yeah, I agree. Because there were times during the game where we're actually we were under siege a little bit weren't we we you know it wasn't mm. it wasn't really a smooth sailing it wasn't necessarily that the one nil was a very controlled victory necessarily i think the, sh- the the stats read 18 shots to burnley and i think us 13 and i, I think it, it watching the game over it certainly wasn't a case where i feel burnley dominated per se like i'm not not saying that was the case but it was certainly a case where our boys had to had to remain pretty resilient yeah. and um and if we go to i guess the key moment in the second half from from i guess from from any kind of angle given there was no actual goals yeah. in the second half was that penalty incident right what that wasn't given in the end so like so there was this obviously the back pass comes from ben white and I don't think necessarily we should be using this as an excuse, but it has been fairly well documented that Burnley, very specifically when playing teams like Arsenal, and they did this uh, against us, you know, typically tried to keep the pitch quite dry so the ball isn't yeah. going to kind of move very easily. And it felt like, you know, this was a case where Ben White just under hit a, a very kind of a normal pass. And maybe you could blame the grass a little bit, but to be honest, it happened at a point in the game where you probably should have got used to the pace of the pitch. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I had, yeah, fair enough. This, the pitch, if you, like, it wasn't just his passing. Um, there were a good four or five times where we could have played someone in and we just got the pass completely wrong. So yes, it seems like it was a factor and a few people did mention it. I think Arteta mentioned it. Ben White might have mentioned it. Someone else mentioned it as well. Um, but either way, you know, at this level, you you don't you don't do that. <laughs> like, there's no no excuses. You don't do that. Yeah, and Ramsdale really comes to the rescue, doesn't it? Because in the end, it is a it's actually a phenomenal tackle. Yes, I yes, it was a phenomenal tackle. But I'm still very very surprised it got overturned. I didn't know you were allowed to overturn decisions in favour of Arsenal. <laughs> I, I can't remember the last time we got a VAR overturn in our favour yeah um, you're, you're completely right and obviously Twitter was all over that when it happened yeah. right um, but I, no, I was very surprised because I you know it's you know, VAR has improved considerably over the last year or so but I was always under the impression that you had to be very certain that it wasn't a penalty and you could, you know, there were, you know, it was ambiguous. I know he got most of the ball, but, you know, you've seen those penalties given as well. And that was what I was worried about. Yeah, like, I remember Gary Lineker even tweeted, I think, at the time. I think he softened up by the time Match of the Day came. But I think on the time, yeah. when he um, retweeted at the time, and he sort of said, well, it's not it's not a clear and obvious error. Yeah, like, yeah. so, you know, to be overturned. I, I guess my argument with that is that in that situation, when you're the goalkeeper, it's impossible to touch the ball 
almost without the player then going over. If you yeah, think about exactly. the angles, you it's impossible. Yeah, exactly. So you need to give the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper has to have a chance to get the ball. And the ball was there to be won and he won it. Exactly. Which is why I like the player is going to clatter into the man regardless. Exactly. Um, it's just, if it's done in a, a way where he's won the ball first, then I think it should be okay. As long as he doesn't go in maliciously, which he didn't. And nicely, that's, I, I imagine that's exactly what the ref said. Thought. The re- yeah. ref said, okay, I've given this based on the assumption that he did not touch the ball at all. And, yeah. and I've been told to go check the monitor. I've checked the monitor. He's clearly touched the ball. That's it. It's fine. You know? Exactly. So it's very nice to see it very logically working that way. Yeah. And obviously us being the beneficiaries, it was hilarious seeing Sean Dyche on the, on the touchline looking so bemused. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. what, what? I was like, what, what are you so confused He didn't know about? you could overturn penalties against Arsenal either. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It was lovely. Look, I'm sure there's going to be stuff that goes against us um, at another point in the season. I suppose we've got to remember that sometimes, um, you know, we are still going to be Arsenal and um, we're yeah. still, as Arsenal fans, going to feel like it's all against us all the time. But, um, yes. you know, then as the game went on, like I don't really recall us having any really good chances, but the guys seem to feel, you know, be quite resilient. It seemed like I think in total there are about 40-odd balls that came into the box. I think nine mm. of them... Uh, Burnley players made contact with and six of them transpired into attempts at goal and I think on average as percentages go in terms of Burnley games actually that's quite good as an opposition in terms of being able to restrict them to that um and so what do you think about Ramsdale though because as much as yeah we can talk about the defense having a you know a, a good game and resilience like you say Ramsdale got mad of the match which usually means that the goalkeeper had to do a hell of a lot um what do you what, what were you impressed about I was, I think we, the first thing is, you know, when, when we praise Ramsdale, I don't think this is a massive criticism of Leno as such, but you know, what I was impressed with was just his energy. Yeah. Um, there was a, there was a moment and I don't know if this was on match today cause I didn't watch it, but where Tommy Asu was, you know, like, um, trying to duel for the ball pretty much on the goal on the kind of touchline and then he lost but then he won and he got he got bullied a bit and then um he eventually won the ball back and i think he put it out for a corner um and in an ideal world you probably expect your right back to do a bit better and be a bit stronger but immediately ramsdale was over there and just gave him a pat on the back motivated him said don't worry just get on with it and well done for dealing with it eventually and coming there. I, I don't think leno would have done that um and there was you know, there was a few times where you could audibly hear Ramsdale shouting um, above the crowd noise. And again, I don't think Leno would have done that. So, you know, I think Leno is probably still a better shot stopper than Ramsdale. Um, but, you know, there is this other quality of goalkeeping, which is do you have the presence? Are you known? And are you willing to get involved when you know, your team are under the cosh by coming out for a couple of crosses. Um, and even if you don't get there, come out. And if you don't win the ball, make sure that the defender doesn't get the ball. Um, yeah. And that was what I really liked about him. He definitely had a presence. Um, now, I'm not getting carried away because I, you know, I've actually watched Ramsdale for quite a while. He was, when he moved to Sheffield United in his first season, he was terrible. He made a lot of mistakes in that first half of the season. Um so he does still have this tendency to be quite inconsistent. And he, you know, I, 
So let, let's hope he's gotten over that and learned from that and that's he's matured past that. But I'm not getting carried away, but it's still very exciting. Yeah, I find him to be a very assertive goalkeeper. Yes. You know? And also one thing, as you know, I'm, I've been a big advocate of Leno. I really, really like, really like Leno. I still really like him. Um, but if I could, you know, it feels like Leno was a keeper who he's going out there and when he's playing for Arsenal, he's kind of going, I want to show everyone I'm a really good goalkeeper. But, but Ramsdale, I get the impression Ramsdale is there going, this is the greatest job in the world. Like I have yeah. got my dream job. I'm so happy. Like, yeah. and every game he's playing it like, well, thus far, he's playing it like he's a fan who's almost like won a competition, and this could yeah, be his last game. Me, like, he just reminds me of like I don't know if it's the real person I ever worked with. It reminds me of like someone who's on work experience. Yeah, <laughs> like, like he's just like his first. He's you know he's got this like big amazing work experience job, and he's like, wow, this is awesome. But he's also very good at the same time. Yeah, um, and he's really working and fighting. And what I'd be really interested to see. And we'll probably talk about this in a minute, but when Leno does get a game, um, is he any different because he's got a bit of pressure? Because there was a period where we had Leno as number one and um, Runison as number two. Leno could have literally turned around and kicked the ball into his own net <laughs> and he would have been out there the next game. Um, yeah. There was no way Leno was getting dropped regardless of what he did. So, yeah, and that's not his fault. He had no competition. Um, yeah. So... Um, let's let's see how Lena responds, but I'm glad there is a bit of competition now for that number one jersey. Yeah, and competition as well, and in a way that I think is quite interesting, actually, because I feel Ramsdale's still at that age where if you told him, "Hey." mate you know we're we're going to bring Leno back in um you know maybe if there's any concerns with his performance or whatever I feel he's still at that young age where he'd be able to take it he's not going to be up in arms he's not going to be like you know this is super important for my career right now that I play every single game so in that way that 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 might help us a little bit but the way that he's going you know he's really playing like he's Arsenal's number one yeah but yeah I agree with that but ultimately you know, this is. I would love to have known what the discussion was with Leno over the summer, where the club have said, "Right, we need to go and spend twenty-five million on a goalkeeper now." Hmm. Um, and why they did that was it because Leno wasn't deemed to be good enough, or did they think he wasn't committed enough because there were contract issues, or you know, did they genuinely see something in Ramsdale that said we need to go and get this guy now because? If we don't, we're not going to, we're losing out on a top potential goalkeeper. Um, mm. It's probably a combination of all of them, but um, because if the club have actually said, actually, no, we think this guy is better than Leno now, then we shouldn't drop him because he's going to be our number one for hopefully, you know, the next five, six, seven years. Well, like an interesting possibility is that actually even when Martinez and Leno were almost battling it out what if even Arteta and Edu at that time basically said really I don't think either of these goalkeepers are who we want for the future like what if mm. they genuinely even at that point knew that they wanted to get a different profile of goalkeeper <laughs> yeah I mean I don't 
I find that unlikely because I just don't give anyone enough credit in the club to have that much forward <laughs> like foresight and to think that far ahead. But you know, it's possible. Um, like clearly, we saw a need to go out and spend big on a goalkeeper. Where you know we were all talking in you know the start of the summer saying we need to go and get a number two goalkeeper. None of us really considered Leno being dropped for a better one. Yeah. So it's interesting how that situation has um, manifested itself. No, agree. And um, just kind of moving on to another important player, the 12th man, the fans. Yes. Right? Uh, again, away support, outstanding. Mm. Just just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and you can tell it's this it's symbiotic relationship that's forming, right? Like you've got the players who feel like for whatever reason, something seems to have changed. Well, I feel like the players have gone, the fans are really, really important and, and we <laughs> really, really like need them and we really want to play for them. And they're giving off this vibe, this energy that they love the fans. So the fans are then vibing off that. And it's kind of, it's this mm. great little relationship. And you saw at the end of this game, again, like the players camaraderie within themselves, then feeding through and going to the fans and, you know, throwing shirts etc and i know that might sound really arbitrary and it probably sounds like these are things that have happened through the years but it does feel like there's some kind of growth forming this it's almost like yeah it, yeah do you know what I mean? everyone's growing together mm, yeah and i think i think at least with a, a large percentage of the match going support both home and away people have really brought into the brought into this rebuild hmm. and they know that this is a young team there are going to be hiccups, but ultimately we are doing something with a bit of purpose now um, rather than buying random players on short-term contracts that we hope can deliver now. And when they don't, we're just stuck with them. This is something that should be getting better every week. Um, and the question is, if it if it becomes clear it it's not getting better, what do we do? But let's hope that that situation never happens. But people are buying into that and... Um, you know, like you said, the Norwich game felt like a reset. So far, it's two wins out of two. The big test is coming up, but I think everyone's really on board. And you know, fair play to the away fans. I saw um, I saw some tweets about how like trains on the way back got cancelled and things like that. And you know, I hate crowded trains. Like, <laughs> um, and it, it just sounds like such an ordeal. But you know, fair play to them navigating public transport um navigating navigating Burnley like going up to Burnley itself is a an ordeal um and there was some crowd trouble and you know hopefully no one got involved in anything too serious and it was just a friendly scrap I think so to be honest like I know that the the, the some of the media outlets have reported on it it doesn't sound like it was anything too bad yeah, yeah. but um you know I anyway focusing on the football I think you know, Spurs have got battered by Chelsea today. We've got Spurs next, mm. but we're not going to talk about that today because we're going to record again after the AFC Wimbledon game. So yes. let's talk about what we think this all means then. But what we have got is we've got a game on Wednesday against AFC Wimbledon in the Carabao Cup, a former team of Aaron Ramsdale's, you know? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and it's a team that I know pretty well, right? Like, because... AFC Wimbledon, so you know, I am, you know, I do do live in Southwest London, and 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 where AFC Wimbledon plays at, uh, well, where like you know they they had been playing, now they've they've got their, their their new stadium, but where they have been playing for the last however many years is Kings Meadow, which is just kind yeah. of down the road from me, um, and and I've been to a number of games at Kings Meadow, and 
I've uh, I've even followed AFC away to Dover once in a oh, nil wow. nil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I know, I know, mate. So I'm a pro- <laughs> I'm proper football fan, yeah. you see. Um, and you know what I would say is it's a completely different style of football. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's ex- exactly. And and you know, sometimes actually when I watched Aaron Ramsdale, I sort of think some of that kind of ability to come out and claim balls and just get really scrappy. I'm sure he learned a lot of that from from uh yeah. those times but you know, this being said like afc wimbledon have been a team that um have been this fantastic um you know almost movie script in some ways you know like the mk yeah. don stuff happened they started again and 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 now they're kind of you know they're progressing through um but let's not beat around the bush we should absolutely hammer afc wimbledon at home yes. on wednesday um and now you're not going to the game sadly um but um but are you looking forward to it? And and, and in terms of particularly, this gives us an opportunity to sometimes see some of the lesser, um, not lesser known players, but you know, not 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 all the first teamers. Yeah, I think I think there seems to be this like idea that we're going to play a lot of really young players. I don't I don't actually think we will. <laughs> I think it will be a, a mix of kind of the basically the players that were on the bench on on Saturday, um, plus maybe one or two of the players, like the senior under 23s. Um, because ultimately this is now our third choice, third, like a third competition because we're only in three. Mm. Um, and with, you know, the FA Cup not really kicking off until January, uh, this is it, right? So it's league and then it's league cup. Um, so, I think it's. Um, I think what we'll see is, you know, quite a quite a strong team. I'll see. I think we'll see the likes of, you know, whoever's fit in terms of um, those who played on the bench. I don't know if Holding and Maria fit, but they will probably play. So I think um, I think Holding may still be out. Uh, okay. But you're right about Marie. Do you think Leno will play? Yeah, I think Leno will play. Do you think that he um, would? I'd say take that well in a way. It doesn't really matter. He's a professional and needs to play. But is yeah. it? Do you think that's a bit that might be difficult for his pride to take? Uh, yeah, it will be. But I hope, hopefully, it motivates him to put in a performance. Mm-hmm. And if he does, then and he improves, and he can, you know, be better than Ramsdale, then he'll be back in the squad. Um, that's why you have two two goalkeepers for them to fight with each other. Um, not physically, but, you know, in terms of performance. So, yeah, I think Leno will play. I think Tavares will play. I think Chambers will play. I think Maitland-Nars might play. I think Lukonga will play. Um, we'll give... So, yeah, I, I don't... You know, I've, I've seen shout, like shouts, calls for players like... Um, like Patino and, uh, like, even Balogun. I don't, I don't know if Balogun will play. Um, I think Eddie, if he's back we'll get we'll get some minutes and Lacazette will play Martinelli will play um so yeah I think it'll be a so yeah there's a chance that the squad the average age of the players on in our league cup could be older than the average age of our Premier League team that's a really good point actually like that's a, that's a very very good point and, and I, I, I completely agree with you because we're not in Europe this is the game where we're gonna have to get lack of minutes and yeah. and and Martinelli time as well, you know, and 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 Maitland Niles, etc. Um, Pablo Murray, I completely agree with that. Uh, but how? See, here's the problem. Say we play against AFC Wimbledon, and any of these players put in a big performance. Do you think 
that should factor into the thinking for the North London derby? Or do you think at the end of the day, this game's a free hit? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's, uh, well, it's a free hit that we have to win. Yeah, of course. um, It's, it's a chance to get those fringe players some minutes, help them find form. And ultimately, you know, it could get to Sunday. It could be nil-nil. Aubameyang could get injured or Saka could get injured or something, you know, God forbid, something that results in one of them needing to come on. And we need them in form because, look, if if Saka does continue to, you know, not really find his form, then, you know, we need alternatives to come in. And that's where you need these players who are on the bench to be motivated because they know that if there's an injury or someone doesn't, you know, perform consistently, they will come in. And like like Leno, Lacazette should be thinking, well, if Aubameyang doesn't doesn't score, I might get a run in. Um, Martinelli should be thinking the same about his position. Um, and there are there are places to be won. I think that, you know, it's, I find it unlikely that someone like Saka would get dropped or someone like Erdegaard would get dropped. But um, where there is competition, they should feel like there's an opportunity for them to start if they play well. Yeah, that's the only the one that the, the Saka situation is the only one that I can see that if Martinelli, for example, puts in a a really good performance against AFC Wimbledon, and again, I'm not sure how much you can read yeah. into that, but if he looks really fit, looks really sharp, hmm. I wonder whether they'll look at Saka in training and just wonder whether he needs a rest because you know it feels like he has been a little bit jaded. Yeah, but yeah, so I don't think he'll play on Wednesday. Hmm. But ultimately, he's getting a week's rest in between games now. So, yeah, you know, how much rest does he want? Um, True. I don't think it's the case. You know, I know he's, you know, he. I think he was, was he injured or no, he came back late. And then, um, yeah, so I think he's, it's just a case of hopefully he just needs some time to find form. He didn't get a proper preseason. So he just needs a bit of time to warm up. But I'm confident that he will find form eventually. Well, people said this in, in, World Cup 98, I think, apparently Bergkamp, and I don't remember this well enough, but I've seen people commented on it uh, about, mm. you know, when Bergkamp came back from the World Cup, he seemed pretty tired and, and it took a little while to get the best version of Bergkamp. And yeah. so, you know, even the best players, I feel like, you know, when you've got a pack schedule, when you've been playing a tournament, it that longer term fatigue, you know, mm. is there. But I guess maybe now, you know, they've got they're a lot better with sports science. So they know a lot more about fitness. So maybe, you know, they, they will understand kind of if Saka really, really is jaded physically. But I guess that's the mental side that's hard to hard to figure out as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it could just be like, look, like we said, the pitch was really, the grass was really long. And maybe that just meant every touch he took was off and he just had a bad game. So let's see. Spurs is a big one. Yeah. And we'll learn a lot about this team on Sunday. And but I think it's probably a bit too early to draw any kind of massive conclusions just yet. Yeah, agreed. And you know, like I, it, in normal circumstances, I may be saying, well, maybe asking you the question right now: How important do you think this Carabao Cup game is? But it's almost irrelevant because at the end of the day, it's AFC Wimbledon at home. We need to beat them. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. Um, so maybe that question we can ask, you know, uh, after the next round, touch wood, yeah. put their upset, but. You know, you talked about the fact that um, we might not see that many young players. And and to that, I agree with that point. Um, But it's interesting, right? Today, Arsenal under-23s play Chelsea under-23s away. Um, Mm. Ironically, it must have been at Kingsmeadow because that's where Chelsea under-23s play. So that's a kind of very, very (laughs) weird coincidence. Um, So for anyone that didn't 
know what happened in that game. Um, Arsenal won 6-1, uh, 6-1 away at Chelsea. Arsenal had 10 men for the majority of the game. Omar Rekic got sent off, I think, in the 30-odd 30-odd minutes for, I think it's two, no, it wasn't two yellow cards, so it was a, a denying a goal-scoring opportunity. Anyway, despite that, despite getting a man sent off in the 30-odd minute, Arsenal still win 6-1. Chelsea's one goal was in the 90-plus minute. Um, yeah. Now, that is a battering to a side who have a very well-revered academy right now um, mm-hmm. and have done for the last few years. So there's a couple of things to, to touch on there more broadly. But I think, you know, if we actually just think about that as a precursor to a, a Carabao Cup game where, you know, sometimes we do see young players. Mm. Today's game, there was a hat-trick from Biereth, the, the striker that we signed from Fulham over the summer. Uh, Balogun scored twice and I forget the scorer of the final goal. I think it's Salah Din, I think. But anyway, yes. um, Balogun, I've seen the highlights of this game. Balogun was absolutely outstanding. He was mm-hmm. so good. And it was the, the thing that, that struck me about watching these highlights um, was actually it wasn't necessarily that Arsenal dominated the game. It was that mm-hmm. the quality of what we did was really impressive. So mm-hmm. yeah. our finishing was excellent. Uh, Balogun's, he got, I think he got at least one assist, but his kind of ability, his just, his just level was immense. Patino hit a fantastic reverse pass, I think, from one of Balogun's goals. I think second, Balogun's second goal. I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive. And so I guess specifically with regards to Wednesday, you know, is that Balogun, is that Biereth, is that Patino saying, you've got to at least have me on the bench. Yeah, I think they deserve time on the bench. I, I just think, you know, it's so easy to read, like draw conclusions from these under 21, under 23 games sometimes. But ultimately, a lot of these kids are 18, 19 years old. And, you know, the the step up from under youth team football, academy football to Premier League football is huge. And so many players just don't make it. Um, I still remember like thinking Chuba Akpom was, you know, the next Messi. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he scored so many goals at that level, didn't he? At yeah. The under, under 23 um, level. Yeah. And, um, look, I think there's, there's a tendency to think and hope that every player is going to be a Saka or a Smith Rowe when those players are so rare. Um, and actually, you know, Smith Rowe benefited because he went on loan to Huddersfield, right? For a, for a season mm. and a lot of these players haven't had that loan where they're where they're getting minutes so yeah they should get a few a few you know games maybe a couple of appearances off the bench and i hope they do that'll be nice for them but let's not start elevating these players to becoming anywhere near first team status because i don't think they i don't think it does them any good mm. um and they need time to develop and ultimately we will be left with far better, more experienced players when they do come into this squad rather than rushing them through. And, and given the lack of games and the lack of European football that we have this season, there's absolutely no need to... We don't need a squad of more than 15, 16 players this season. Hmm. No, I agree with you. But if we look holistically at the talent pool, like, so you're right. Not everyone's going to grow up to be a great player, and it's very hard sometimes yeah. to judge. You're, you're right. There's, there's a situation where we've often got 17, 18-year-olds playing against other 17, 18-year-olds. It's not always great to understand. Um, 
but you know, if we, and I know that some of these players have been with the club for many years, but we're in a situation where our first team is generally the young, the team that we generally put out in the Premier League at the moment mm. is generally the youngest team that any Premier League is putting out on that week. Yes. Yeah. We've got, which is good. It's which, awesome. I love that. Which yeah. is fantastic, right? We've had Bukayo Saka, who became a, you know, a star for England over the Euros. We've got people like ESR who are really, you know, really establishing themselves as, as top players who've come through this academy. We've got people like Aziz who are out on loan. Yeah. We've got Reese Nelson who's out on loan. We've got Ballard who's out on loan, etc. So, so where I'm going with this, we've got this bunch of young players who are already in the first team. We've got other young yeah. players who are out on loan. And we've got a team of under 23s who are able to still go to someone like Chelsea and score six goals. And yeah. beat Man United last week as well. Um, now, I think, do we need to take a second to just really applaud Per Matsaka for this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think our academy over the last five, six years has, you know, has almost bailed us out. <laughs> you know, can you imagine where we'd be without Saka and Smith Rowe coming through the academy right now? And that would, to find two players like that would have cost us 100 million per quid. Yeah. Um, saved us 100 million quid. And if we can get even, you know, even one more, like one Saka every two years, one Smithrow every two years, that's saving us 40, 50 million quid a season. How awesome would it be to just be able to just continue to bring through these youngsters because they're just all so good and that they can play in Premier League level football mm. um, and make that transition really quickly? It's still rare. I don't think we should expect that. But if some of these kids do come through and they are that good, we should absolutely give them the chance. And I would, I would love it if we did. And that's, you know, that's almost one of the reasons why when people say, Oh, we should get a, a billionaire to take over the club, that will be, you know, it'll be fun in its own ways, but it would mean, you know, Man City don't really do that. You know, um, Chelsea don't do that, but um, it would be really cool if we could continue to do this as we go and hopefully become um, a better club. Well, I agree with you, because it's, but, but it's not just, is it? It's not just producing players that play in your team and then that's fantastic because you have that connection with the fans and all that kind of stuff. It's not just that. It's the fact that if you can generate multiple, you can sell them. You can make money. Yeah. That can fund you to strengthen areas of your squad that, that you need to. Now, again, you, you know, if you look if you look at Chelsea, yes, they've got Abramovich and he's 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 supported them financially, that's fine. But they mm -hmm. still sell frequently academy players for really good money. Right? And yes. and they do it. They're, you talk to their fans, their fans are often kind of disappointed when they sell some of these players, but they recognize that at the end of the yeah. day, they're not all gonna make it. And hey, what if we make fifty million That's pound okay. a window for it? Yeah. Exactly. And so, so again, I think what we'll probably end up seeing as Arsenal fans is more Willock situations. So I think when the Willock, when when we sell Willock this summer, I think that was a big. A lot of fans are like, oh god, we're selling a Halen graduate, and he's good, and it's this is devastating, and this is whatever. But maybe actually we've we need to get used to the fact that we've got a large talent pool, and we're going to have to sell some of these guys, and that's okay, and that's part of the plan. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really hope Willock does well. And I hope he goes on to achieve great things. But ultimately, it's a job well done for our academy. And we should be pleased with that. Yeah, agreed. Cool. All right. Well, look, I think we'll wrap up there, mate, because um, mm -hmm. you know, we've we're gonna do another episode this week where we will talk a yes. bit about what happened against Wimbledon, but 
but really prequel the massive North London derby on Sunday, which I already cannot wait for. Um, so we'll leave it with that. Mize will probably be at the next episode. So apologies, everyone. Um, you're going to have him. But uh, yeah, like, cool. So predictions, predictions. predictions for, for what? For the, for the AFC, for the AFC It's hard. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Because, I mean, you don't know what to... All right, I'm going to go with 4-0 Arsenal. Okay, I was going to say 3-0. Okay, 4-0 and 3-0. Let's see. All right, cool. Nice one. All right, All right. cool. All right, well, uh, everyone, enjoy the rest of your weeks, and we will talk to you later on the week. Bye-bye. Great. See ya. Bye.